gave me the sermon. He said it was about your glorious future. Your glorious future. You see, God has a future destined for you. Ordained from the foundation of time. A good future. A glorious future. And your only job is to cause your presence, my presence, to come in line with his glorious vision, his glorious future for you. That's it. Really simple. And we do this by the choices we make in the here and now. You see, he's secured. He sees. He has a vision for you. Like he says, ordained before the foundation of everything. Because in that he was. He is. He is to come. He's got you all wrapped up. So you see, we just make choices in line with his vision. We make choices in line with what the blood has already done. We believe the way he believes. We choose to believe. We choose relationship with our Father. We don't look to the world. We choose to believe in line with his heart for us. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7 in the King James. So the choices that we make right now in the present, in line with that glorious future that God always had planned for us, that's the key. I am convinced that he has good plans for you. Plans for hope, plans for a future in Jeremiah and in Philippians 1.6 and he will bring them to fruition and all we have to do is just keep our eyes on Jesus just step in line with Jesus just to choose to believe who Jesus is choose to believe the word the word is Jesus made flesh he came to dwell among us and show us what a good God we serve. Hallelujah. So, all we need to do is just honor our Father. Just honor our Father. Just honor our Father. He's already, I'm not going to go back through all the scripture about it, but he's already put his glory in you if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. His glory has come to reside in you and to shine forth through you. And we honor God when we believe in that glory. We honor God when we believe that we are who he created us to be. We, are, we do honor God when we take hold, take hold of the fullness of Christ, believe in the fullness of Christ, Believe in the word just the way it is written. 
We honor God that way. We honor him when we accept the blood-transformed life that he's given us. When we honor what the blood has done, when we believe what the blood has done, we honor God. We honor God by receiving forgiveness, the forgiveness that he's given, and the recreation that he has made in us. See, that honors God. We can't honor God if we don't accept what he has done for us. We honor him by seeing ourselves just like he does through the blood of Christ. And that includes everything. That includes everything. This is what it truly means to humble ourselves in the mighty hand of our loving Father. Humble ourselves. Quit arguing with God. Quit arguing with his goodness for you. Quit arguing with the blessing that he has already poured over you. Quit arguing with the glory that he has implanted into your nature. So how do we do this? We do it by recognizing what he truly has done. Recognize the glory that he has implanted in us and then we walk it out. We have a job to walk it out, to walk in union, to walk in relationship, to understand what that union is and what that union requires. God says in his word, without faith, it is impossible to please God. I used to get under so much condemnation, which you know is Satan talking, about that verse. Because I would always think, I've got to do more, I've got to work more, I've got to get more. Uh-uh, uh-uh, beloved, rest. There's only one faith that's necessary. And it's your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, see, he is the word. He is alive. When we just believe in him, he brings it to pass. See that? You just have one, one faith. Just faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't try to work everything else up. Hebrews 11.6 And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him, okay, there's just two little things he says here. Must believe that he exists Okay, what is that? That's just faith in Jesus and who he is. He is the resurrected son of Almighty God. So it says that's all you have to do. You just believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In other words, believe that he keeps his promises. You have his promise. It's all written down right here for you. Every, everything is written down right here. This is his promise to you, beloved. 
Nothing less. Nothing short of this. It's been promised. He's the God of his word. God is not a liar. The only We try to make him out to be a liar by not believing his word, by not believing in the goodness, by not believing in the mercy, by not believing in the grace, by not believing in what he's done, by not believing in what the blood has purchased. By not believing that all we have to do is, when we, when we sin, is repent, turn around, do the other thing. And it's forgiven, it's washed. See? So why, why cannot we please God? Why can't we please God? without faith. So you've got to mix faith, just faith in Jesus, faith in the Word. That's who Jesus is. The Word and Jesus, they are the same. The name and the Word are the same. Okay? And he understands, see, God knows that without faith in Jesus, who is the Word, who is the Word, he cannot give his blessings to us. Right? With faith, he can get his blessings to you. He can get his blessings to you. That's his heart. He wants us to walk in his life. He's translated us into the kingdom of light. His light, his life, his love. Without faith in Jesus, none of the word belongs to us. But with faith in him, it all belongs to us. Every last bit. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing. We can only walk, we can only walk in that spirit of life, which Jesus has come to give us here on earth, as we have faith in him. The complete him, the complete Jesus. We are only released from the snares of death, as we take hold of Christ in every area of our lives. Right? We take hold of Christ. We take hold of Christ. 1 John 5.12 in the Aramaic says, Everyone who lays hold of the Son, everyone who lays hold of the Son, lays hold also of life. So there's a laying hold that we need to do. There's a laying hold, a taking hold, and believing in the fullness. No defection anywhere. If the word says it, it's true, that's how it is, it's absolute, it's for me. No defectors. See, in any area, if we don't defect, you see that? His life reigns supreme. Because it's what he's given us. And then what happens is we walk in God's heart for us. We walk in the fullness of his vision for us. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those in Yeshua the Messiah who do not walk in the flesh for the law of the spirit of life which is in Yeshua the Messiah has freed you from the law of sin and death. So as we walk in Christ, as we lay hold of Christ, as we take hold of him, we walk in that life. Right? Okay. Then we are completely released 
completely released from the snares of sin and death. Get that? Completely released. Beloved, that's good news. In every area, in every area of our lives, where we agree with all the word, where we agree with all of Jesus, all of Jesus. So faith in Jesus Christ, automatically, we just believe in everything he did and everything he said. That's it. Simple, like a child. When they come to daddy and he says, okay, I'm going to give you some dinner, they believe it. And they believe in a whole banquet, whatever they need. Not just a little bit, right? Not thinking, I'm going to go away hungry. Got it? Faith in Jesus Christ means we believe in everything that he says in his word to us, in his promise to us, and we walk it out. We don't make God out to be a liar by our own personal mental paradigm. Jesus is not a mental exercise. He is spirit, he is life, he is truth. He is not a mental exercise. We renew our mind to him. We move our mind out of the way to get to his fullness, to him. He is the word made flesh, shown to us, given to us. We don't have to have too many questions. We know that God never lies. We believe in the word. We believe that Jesus is the word. That Jesus is exactly what the word says he is. He came to earth. He gave himself to us. He is the truth. He is the word. The word right here, this word right here, is the total truth. This is the total truth. Total. Complete. And when we have faith in Jesus, we believe his word, and we are not moved. We are not moved. I am not moved. You are not moved. By unbelief, when circumstances might look counter to the word. Okay? That's not where we put our belief. When our circumstances are counter to the word temporarily, they must give way to the truth of the word. Because I say, well, this is my Jesus. Right? This is my Jesus. This is what's living in me. This is the glory that I'm promised. And I'm not settling for anything less. You never saw Jesus have to settle for less than God's vision, than God's truth. Right? So, we don't believe that this is just something that's going to happen in the future. We believe in the now time of this. We believe in the nowness of this, in the now word of this. Right? We believe it's a now word. I serve a now Jesus. I don't serve a yeah, but Jesus. This is my reality now. 
The world will try to show me something different. And I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that bait. You know, it's just like a fish. I never thought about this before. <laughs> this might be a silly comparison. But it, it's just like a fish who takes a false bait. Like, I'm not a fisherman. But, you know, they have, like, those little lures. They're not real. See that? You know, you know what I'm saying? They're plastic. They're fake. And they get tricked, right? The fish gets tricked, right? Because they make it look the same. They make it move the same. And then the fish takes it. They say, I'm only going to take the real thing. I'm going to only take live bait. The living word. <laughs> this is my live bait. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that was silly. <laughs> I have a live Jesus. I have the real thing. I don't serve an imposter. <laughs> I am not going to be fooled. I have his glory now. I have his reality now. Right? I expect it to manifest now. Right? Yeah, I do. It's and here's an example. It's just like when David, yeah, okay, I'm not going to go through the story of David, okay? But y'all know who David was? The shepherd become king, okay? So he was a shepherd, a shepherd of sheep. Nobody paid attention to David, right? Well, Samuel comes along, and he goes through the whole list, and it's like, nope, 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 nope. Isn't there another? Isn't there someone here that I know is really going to have a heart after God? <laughs> but anyway, Samuel comes and anoints David as king. <coughs> way, way, way before he ever took that physical throne. That worldly spot, right? He was anointed as king. So when he goes to Saul and he's getting ready to fight Goliath, and Saul's like, who are you? You know what he said? He said, I was a shepherd. I was. I was tending my father's do you see what he's really doing there? He's taking the reality of the anointing right now. You see that? You see what he did? That was before he fought Goliath. That was before he was physically king because God had a plan for him and God saw him as king and he decided to agree with the anointing. He decided to agree with the glory now. And there were a lot of battles that were going to come between then and the physical stepping into. The physical circumstance. See that? But he believed. And he changed his thought. He changed his mind. He no longer saw himself as a shepherd. He said, I was a shepherd. This is what I did. This is where God met me, and God's going to meet me again. Right? 
So 1 Samuel 17, 34. And David said to Saul, your servant, he's referring to himself right there, was a shepherd for my father's sheep. I'm reading out of the Aramaic. NIV is really closest to this. But anyway, for my father's sheep, and a lion came, and a bear, and they picked up a lamb from the flock, and I went out after it. See, in the anointing, he understood where he was going and what the job was that he had to do and how his father saw him. Went out after it, and I struck it, and I snatched it from its mouth, and it enraged against me. Y'all feel like that sometimes? Do you feel like you have a world that's enraging against you? And I caught him by the chin, and I struck him and killed him. This is your time to strike and kill. The things in the world that are raging against the reality of the anointing. They can rage all they want, but you don't have to believe it. You can believe in who you are created to be in the sight of God. You can choose to believe in the anointing that you have now. You can choose to believe in the glory that is in you now. You can choose not to be moved by circumstances, by false speakers. See that? I caught him by his chin, and I struck him and killed him. See, immediately, 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 in his spirit, David stepped into the word, the anointing that he received. Your servant killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. It's no different. It's the same, okay? It's all the same because he defied the ranks of the living God. If something in your life comes, some circumstances comes to defy the ranks of the living God, you remember the anointing. Right? Christ in you, the hope of glory. You remember your union with your father. You remember who your father is. No matter the difficulty, David took his authority, he took the power given him, and his attitude was, God in me is king. Therefore, I am king over that circumstance, through the word of God, through Christ in me, through the glory, through the union I have been given with my father. And David said, in verse 37 of 1 Samuel 17, and David said, Lord Jehovah, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Well, this is your promise also. You see that? Only you walk in a better covenant, don't you? Right? You live with a Christ in you. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So this is our promise. When we believe, when we believe in the now word of God, when we believe in the now Jesus, now, right now, this time, your Jehovah, 
has anointed you. He has anointed you and given you, given, past tense, already done, in the word, no denying, and has given you his promises. So, David had not become the physical king, but he knew it was a reality because Samuel had anointed him. He believed that in the anointing, once it was upon him, you have the anointing which is in you. God is in you now. David believed and stepped into the future that God had for him in the present. And he did things in line with that. He didn't, you, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, he who has begun, let me reassure you, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1.6. He will complete it. You just stay united with him. You just stay in union. You just stay humble. So David did not wait to believe this until the world acknowledged it. Why are you waiting for the world to acknowledge anything in line with the word? You know? It does not matter if the world acknowledges it. Those foundations are false. The world will always argue with you. The world will always argue with the reality of God with you in you. They will always argue with the anointing. So David stepped into the kingship now. You step into the anointing now. Do you believe in the glory that's in you now? He allowed David, he allowed his future expectation to be his now reality. See that? He allowed his future expectation to be his now reality. Just like you've been anointed with the Holy Spirit, you have Christ living in you, the Spirit of God living in you, the life of God. All you have to do is agree, agree with the word. All you have to do is walk in unity with the word. It's very simple. The fullness and the abundance of God. Every promise right here. Revealed and manifested in your life. So Paul did the same thing. Remember Saul who became Paul? On the road to Damascus? He met Jesus. Well, he didn't sit around in 30, for 30 years and bemoan all the horrible, horrific, terrible things he had done. Right? He received his cleansing right at that moment. He didn't look back. You know what he said? He said, my conscience is clear. How can a murderer say my conscience is clear when he murdered all the Christians and, and went and got papers to get them imprisoned and tortured and all these things? Because he met Jesus. Because he took the reality of what Jesus had done. Because he received the blood. My conscience is clear. <clears throat> Why are you letting your past haunt you? The only ghost we know is the Holy Ghost. He doesn't haunt or taunt. He agrees with Jesus. Right? Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the cleansing blood. 
You see? Paul accepted, became Paul. He accepted what Jesus had done right at that moment. He went on to say, I was an apostle before I was ever born. God had me as an apostle before I was ever born. He completely eradicated all that in-between junk. He walked in the now reality. And he said, it's gone, it's over, it's finished. I found Jesus on the road. I found a real thing on the road. I found a living Jesus. I found a living word. I found a recreating word. I found life. And nobody's going to steal it from me. There's probably, you understand what he did? He allowed that entire recreation to take hold of him. And in doing that, he could fulfill God's vision of him. So we got to let go of the baggage, beloved. <clears throat> you got to let go. Long ago, you needed to let go. He accepted the reality of the now, what God did now, and he didn't, he didn't return. God always had a good future for him. So the word says, 1 John 4, 13, NIV. <clears throat> this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. That's the new you. He has given us of his spirit. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay? In this world, you are like Jesus. Do not accept anything less than that. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? The Spirit of God dwells in you, beloved. The glory of God dwells in you. Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him, that would be God, who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. You see, he's saying the spirit of God living in you. Do you see how, God, how magnanimous God is? Do you see his vision of you? If the spirit, who, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead, that's God, will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. That's what you got. That's what you're walking around with. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, all we, are, all we do is agree with that. You just agree with that. Don't make excuses against that. See what I'm saying? Don't make excuses against the beauty of what that is. Unto the total truth of the word, unto the total truth of what the anointing is, what it has accomplished, and who lives in you. So we just humble ourselves, what? In obedience to the word, we just agree with the word, we obey the word, we listen, we believe it's true, that it's all the truth, and nothing but the truth. You see, they say that in court. 
We believe in that. The total truth, the word, unto the vision of God. We, we obey the word, and then we believe unto the blessing that it gives us. We believe unto the blessing that it gives us. We, then what happens? When we do that, we're dwelling in the word in every area of life. We do this in every area of our life. When doubt comes, we say, no, I'm going to dwell in the word. I'm going to think on the word. I am going to dwell in my relationship with the Father has given me. I'm going to stay in unity with my Father. I'm going to be in union with my Father. I'm going to believe what he says. Everything in our lives is formed from our relationship with God or our lack of relationship with God. And when we receive Jesus, he comes to live in us and we have unity with him. So we might as well just accept that. He has given us union with him by the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything good, everything good in our lives comes from our union with our Father. Everything good and all good. We are sons and daughters of God, just like Adam and Eve, right? They were sons and daughters of God. Well, they handed it over, but the blood redeemed you into that unity, into that union with your Father. Nothing missing, nothing broken, right? So it's all about believing in that the veil was torn, I am accepted into the beloved. So I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to go fishing with him. I'm going to take him when I go fishing. I'm going to take him when I go shopping. I just talk to him all day. You just talk to him. He's not moved by the circumstances around you. Right? I'm going to go hiking with him today. I'm going to go eat lunch with him today. It's, it's really that real. It really is. It's that real and it's that simple. Just spend time with him. Because he will reveal himself to you. He's not keeping himself hidden. I, and then what happens, the deeper and deeper my walk with him goes, the more I look like him, the more I reveal him. He's already in me, but the more I look like him. And then I can reveal that to other people, and isn't that our goal? Yeah. So his power then just can't help but flow from within me. From the throne room of God. Through me. Because of what he's done. Okay? And the more I cultivate that relationship with him, the more I become like him. I am just a vessel, a clay pot, with the shining glory of God coming out. That's who you are. You are a clay pot with the shining glory of God just coming out, on out, just shining through. 2 Corinthians 4. For what we preach is not ourselves. See that? What we preach is not ourselves. But, this is the NIV, but Jesus Christ as Lord. See, this all hinges on him being your Lord. Him being your Lord. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's humility. See, when we believe the word, we have humbled ourselves to the word. We have humbled ourselves to God. And humility is required. 
You see what we're getting at here? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. Do you see what's been placed in you? Do you see what you've been given? Do you get that? You have been given the light of the knowledge of his glory. You have it. Displayed in the face of Christ. Through Christ, in you. His glory, the knowledge of his glory, indwelling you. So we see that glory when we see Christ. We see that glory when we walk in Christ. We see that glory when we take hold of Christ. We see that glory when we believe this is true. No, what's that saying? No hope barred? Is that the saying? No defector, defectors? No defection in any area? I'm not going to read this word and go, uh, hmm. Sounds a little too good to be true. See, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to take my soul. What's your soul? Your mind? Your will? Your emotions? And if my mind at any point disagrees with this, in one iota, I'm going to say, I had a false thought. That's a false reality. That's not the truth. See? If my will chooses to disagree and go another way and do something else because I think that's a better idea, I'm going to come back. Hopefully someone in my life would be brave enough to correct me with the word. Don't even bother coming and talking to me if you don't have the word. I'm serious. I don't want to hear you. I don't. I won't listen. Do you see how tough my family has it? They do. But iron sharpens iron. Because if you're not going to agree with this, I'll never agree with you. I will never agree with you. You're wrong. This is right. If you believe that it's sin that sells a, sends a person to hell, I'm going to argue with you. Because anyone who has sinned and comes back and repents to the Lord will be in heaven with me. Murderers will be in heaven with me. Gay people will be in heaven with me. So get off your little judgmental platform. So, this is true. Now, does that mean that you don't speak truth to a person that you see in sin? You love that person, but you speak the truth. You say, this is what the word says. And then you don't move off of that. You don't allow yourself to be persuaded by, you know, little compromises here and there. If you compromise in one place, 
one place. It's like taking a finger out of a dam. You remember that little fairy tale? Little fairies, yuck. Whatever they were called. Those tales that you listened to when you were little. Do you remember when that this one little pebble came out of the dam and before the whole thing was breached? It's that important. It is that important. And thank the Lord that when we mess up, he will bring people to our lives to correct us. He'll show us in the word where we, where we misfired, you know. And then all we have to do is we, say, we take our will and we go, okay, huh, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. I'm going to repent of that. I'm going to come back to you on that. Okay? The same way with your emotions. We do not have to live these roller coaster lives. <laughs> it's just, we just don't. Jesus was never on a roller coaster. He was steady and true because he believed in a steady and true God, in a true foundation. He built his life through the word of God. He was the word of God. And that's what he showed us. Okay? So I don't, when, when something bad happens, I don't have to go into a huge sinking despondency. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So many times in my life when horrible, terrible things have happened, and I'm just going to tell you, I had a rotten childhood. I, I, I don't hold anybody responsible for that. I don't even care about it. I don't even think about it. It was a normal circumstance in my family that my dad came home in a bad mood, and if dinner was on the table, he would just upend the whole table. That was normal. That was my normal. It was normal to be picked up and thrown across the room. It was normal to be threatened that I was going to be thrown downstairs because I was sucking my thumb. It was normal to have a leather belt across my back or my rear end or something because somebody else was angry about life and their lot in life. You know what? I don't care about one thing. I don't care about any of it. I don't hold that person responsible. That was Satan doing the work through that person. And it affected me. But I have a healing God. You see, and the, lo the love of God replaces everything. So I don't even care what your normal is. Oh, not that I don't care about you. <laughs> I don't mean it like that. That sounded pretty bad. But you see, we don't have to care about any of that. I, so many times during my life when things like that would happen, the Lord would just say, I'm your joy. I'm your joy. You see, the person that inflicts pain upon you has more pain than you. You get that? They have more pain than you, or they wouldn't be inflicting it upon you. You see what I'm saying? So, I feel for their pain. And, uh, and it is my heart that Jesus reaches into that pain and brings joy and peace and healing. Because that's never impossible. I, 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 will, I, I will never believe that there is any pain 
that God cannot reach and heal. Because I've lived it. And that's just, what I just told you right now is just like, like this much, like this much of what I experienced as a child. That's all I remember as a child. I do not remember a good, I do not remember goodness in my childhood. No kudos to me, by the way. That's not me picking me up by my bootstraps. That's the grace of God. That's the glory of God. That's the anointing of God. That's the love of God. That's the superseding, all glory, wonderfulness of God. We couldn't do enough to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But we must have compassion, too, for the ones that are in so much pain that they would do the things that they do to other people. Well, none of that was in my message, so I have no idea where I was, but um, we'll just go back to 2 Corinthians 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's humility. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Only glory is, dif- is, is displayed when we get to know Christ. Only glory. When we lay hold of Christ, when we take hold of Christ, when we allow the light to come in and shatter the darkness. See, he's already done that for you. That's the whole point. He has this wonderful, glorious future for you. I have never believed that God ever had anything less than a glorious future for me, for my kids, for my church, for my friends. Nothing but glory. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Two important keys right there. You have an all-surpassing power from your God. Not you. Not you working it up. This is a gift that you receive when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. This all-surpassing power is the very glory of God. You guys get that? And we have it in this little bit of clay. Through us, but not from us. Through us, but not from us. It recreates us, and then it flows out of us. And we just need to agree with it, beloved. It's just time to agree with it. <laughs> we have to renew, like I said, our, our mind, our will, and our emotions, our souls, to agree with God. You are not broken. I've never believed I was a broken individual. Never, never once believed that. I have always believed 
that I am strong and powerful and mighty in the hands of God. That's who you are. You are not broken. You are strong and mighty and powerful in the hands of God, in the hands of God, so far as you lay hold of Christ. All things are new in him, and you are full of him. You're full of good stuff. <laughs> First John 5, 12 again. Everyone who lays hold of the Son lays hold also of the life. Do you see the Son is equated with the life? You see that? It's the same thing. It's fullness. So we lay hold of all the truth of the spirit of life. All the truth of the spirit of life because that's what's been given. Not just part of it. All the life of Christ. All the life of Christ in me. That's why the Holy Spirit is so important. He didn't just... We don't just have the Father... We don't just have the Son. The Holy Spirit is what brings you every single bit of true revelation that's not mental assent. You must have the Holy Spirit. You must, you must, you must, you must, you must. That's where the rhema word, the now word comes. You won't understand the now word without the Holy Spirit. And believe me, in the end times, you've got to have a now word. You need now life, now word, big old Holy Spirit. He did not give the Holy Spirit for nothing. If he gives it, we want it, we receive it. I don't want just part. I, don't, I just don't want the reasonable part. I don't want the part that seems sane. I don't even want to seem sane. I don't. I do not want to seem sane to this world. I would take that as an indictment against my faith. I would feel like I was not a living witness. Truthfully, there was nothing sane about Jesus. There's nothing sane about how he came. There's nothing sane about how he died. There's nothing sane about anything. It is not reasonable. This is not a mental exercise. Mental ascent, well, it might start there, but the Holy Spirit has to finish it. I mean, really, truthfully, think about it. The Holy Spirit is here to change all the legalistic thinking. Jesus did not agree with the Pharisees. He really didn't. He didn't really agree with them on anything. He didn't agree with the priests. He called them a, a brood of vipers at points. We don't want to agree with legalism. Mental assent, mental doctrine. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not mental. We are told to renew our minds to 
the word. The word is the spirit of truth. Spirit, spirit. There's a lot more that goes below what you just see written on that page. And the Holy Spirit is what brings the rhema knowledge, the living So I'm not just going to agree with what's reasonable or logical or sane. Because this is spirit. This is faith. This is life. This is truth. This is not me taking my, you know, legal degree and reading every single word in a legalistic manner. I could do that. And I would be missing so much. We must believe in the impossible. We must believe when our hearts tell us, sometimes our minds tell us not to believe. No matter what. Because we serve a God who has made what we see as impossible possible. There's nothing impossible with him. That's not a, a vocabulary word of his. Right? So we have to believe in the complete scripture. The spirit breathes scripture. The God breathes scripture. It's immutability. It's incorruptibility. It's fullness and wholeness. And not be defectors in any area. It is time to elevate into what has been given. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. The reality is that we elevate into this word. Do you understand what I'm saying? You ascend. You move higher. You ascend into the truth of the word. You renew. You revive. You unlimit God. You unchain Jesus. You unchain him. 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. The Aramaic says, conquers the universe. This is the victory that has, has, has overcome the world. Aramaic conquered the universe. Even our faith. I'm believing who Jesus says he is. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Period. And glory be to him when we believe we receive it. Hallelujah. All right. That's what the Lord had me tell you today. Or hand me chair. So we're going to take your tithes and your offerings. We're going to have communion.